You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Ever since Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven, believers around the world have been asking the same question, when will Jesus return? In fact, Jesus' disciples were wondering this very same thing when they asked Jesus for a sign of the last days. Jesus tells his disciples that his return would be prefigured by wars and rumors of wars, by famine, by earthquakes, a time when men's hearts would fail them for fear. The Gospel of Luke says that when these things are seen to be coming to pass, that it points to the nearness of Christ's return. And only then will the world be saved from all the troubles that it's experiencing. Well, if the world we see around us is suffering from these very same events that the Gospel record predicted, with climate change, with food shortages, with conflicts bordering on another world war, and if man has no hope of solving these problems without Jesus Christ's help, well then that begs the question, why hasn't Jesus returned? Many believers, even those from thousands of years ago, thought that Jesus would return in their lifetime, only to find it not to be so. Does that mean that we should become discouraged? Or is there perhaps a reason why Jesus has not yet returned? Join with us this week as we seek to understand more about the return of Jesus, about why he needs to return, about what events will take place when he does return, why doesn't the Bible tell us exactly when he will return, and most of all, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Good evening, everyone. Tonight for our Bible Basics webinar, we're going to be considering the question that's up on the screen there, why hasn't Jesus returned? And in order to do so, we're going to consider a number of other questions. We are going to be looking at where's Jesus now? We're going to see why does Jesus need to return? What's the importance in Jesus's return? We're gonna look at some of the events that surround Jesus's return. And then we're going to round it off with considering, well, why hasn't Jesus already returned? So the first question we want to discuss is, where is Jesus now? And if the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all about the life of Jesus, 
then it makes sense that we can find our answer to where is Jesus now at the end of the Gospels. And that's where we are in Mark chapter 16, the very last chapter of Mark. And verse 19 says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Well, the context here is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. That's who the them is. And Jesus has just been crucified in the previous chapters. He's been resurrected from the dead. He now meets with his disciples, and then he's raised from the dead, or um, he ascends into heaven after he's raised from the dead. And we can pick up on this story a little bit later. You see, Luke is the next book in the Bible, according to the arrangement that we have, but the gospel records are just different accounts of the life of Christ. The next book that we would find chronologically or in a time sequence would actually be the book of Acts. And so we come to the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 1. We can read there in verses 10 and 11, and it gives us a bit more about the return of Christ. And it says about the disciples, it says, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so just last week in our Bible Basics webinar, we talked about the angels, and that's who these two men are. They're angels, and they give us a bit more insight into the return of Christ. And they say that Jesus is going to return in the very same way that he went into heaven. Well, what does it mean that he would return in the same manner as he saw him go into heaven? Well, the angels here, they're speaking of Jesus, how he physically ascended into heaven. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 39, Jesus says that a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And so the angels are conveying that the same way that Jesus physically ascended into heaven, well, Jesus is going to physically return to the earth at a future date. And so Jesus right now is in heaven. He's sitting on the right hand of God, and he's going to physically return. Well, why does Jesus need to return? And we're given that information in Hebrews chapter 9 or at least one of the reasons in Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 28, it says that, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so the first reason that Jesus needs to return is, like it says there in Hebrews 9, he's going to bring salvation to those who are looking for him, to those who are waiting for his return. When it says without sin there, this is a, an important key when you're reading your Bible, because the Bible talks about sin. When it, mentions, when it mentions sin, it really has two different meanings depending on the context. Number one, which would be what we think of more readily, it talks about sinful actions. And so the Bible describes sin and those sinful actions as two things, either doing something that we shouldn't do or not doing something that we should do. And the other way that the Bible talks about sin is as a sinful nature, having a tendency to sin. And I think this particular time, it's referring to that sinful nature. When it talks about Jesus returning to the earth without sin, it's talking about Jesus returning to the earth as an immortal man who does not have any more sinful nature. You see, unlike the first time Christ was on the earth, he's not going to have this sinful nature anymore. He's not going to have those same tendencies to sin as he would when he was first here. And so when Christ returns, he's not going to have that sinful nature. Well, the second reason 
that uh, Jesus needs to return is that he's going to not only bring salvation to those who are believing, but he's also going to convert those who don't believe. And so if we look at one of the Old Testament prophets in Zechariah chapter 12, it reads, and they shall look on me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and they shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Here it's talking about the repentance of those who crucified Jesus. It says that they're going to look on him who they pierced, and they're going to mourn. It's specifically talking about the Jews who crucified Jesus and how they would be converted when Christ returns. Well, here we have a Bible echo. And if you're not familiar with what a Bible echo is, we did a segment of the week on it. And basically what it means is that one part of scripture sounds an awful lot like another part of scripture. And that's exactly what we have here because there's another individual in the Bible who didn't believe in Jesus until he saw the crucifixion wounds. And we're given that information in John chapter 20. And this is of the disciple Thomas. It says in John chapter 20, Thomas says, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then Jesus says to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And so it's going to take the return of Christ in order to convince many. But as Jesus says, just a few verses later in John 20 and verse 29, he says, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so it's going to be even better for us to study our Bibles now so that we are able to believe in Jesus before Jesus even returns. And so those are two examples or two reasons why Christ needs to return. He's going to bring salvation to those who are believing in him. And he's also going to convert those who don't yet believe in him. So what's going to happen when Jesus does return? Now we're going to go through some of the events, and this is not an exhaustive list. You can think of it a little bit more like some highlights that we're going to pick up on. And so the first thing that's going to take place is the resurrection. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So this is talking about the resurrection of the dead. And specifically, it says that the dead in Christ are going to rise. Those who are responsible, those who have an understanding of God in Christ are going to be raised. Well, why are the dead raised? That's because the next item that's going to take place is the judgment. In Revelation 22 and verse 12, it says, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his, as his work shall be. And so there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a rewarding of man's work, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We are going to be responsible for the actions that we do, and we're going to have to give account of those when Christ returns. And so those are the first two events. And if we go to Luke chapter 21, it gives us more information about the return of Christ. It says, they shall see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And this is the reason that we looked at earlier with Christ returning the, to the earth to bring salvation. You see, there's a lot of problems going on in the world and we're not going to be able to solve all those world issues until Christ returns. Well, just a few verses earlier, it says that there would be signs in the sun and moon and in the stars 
and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Well, this is a pretty apt description of our time, where you see men's hearts failing them for fear. And then it says at the end of verse 26 that the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, this is one of those times where the Bible is talking symbolically. It's talking about the powers of heaven as representing something else. And in this case, it's talking about ruling powers or government. A similar phrase that we might use today when speaking of leaders would be higher-ups. And that's exactly what it's talking about here. It's talking about the world leaders. And so certainly when Christ comes and wants to rule over the earth, it's going to be quite a shaking situation. It will be a symbolic earthquake. Well, in addition to a figurative earthquake, there's also going to be a literal earthquake that's going to take place when Christ returns. It says in Zechariah chapter 14, and his feet, Christ's feet, shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and the half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and the half of it toward the south. See, the Mount of Olives is sitting on an active fault line. We have a picture of it on the screen there, where it's sitting on this east to west fault line. And when Christ returns, it says in Zechariah 14 that there's going to be a very great earthquake. And the Mount of Olives is actually going to split in two. And part of it's going to move north and part of it's going to move south. Another Old Testament prophet, Joel, speaks of this same event when he says in Joel 3 and verse 16, the Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. That's the ideas that we were looking at before, the heavens shaking or the change in the government and the earth shaking, that change in the topography of the land. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. And so this change is going to allow God to set up his dwelling place in a newly shaped Jerusalem. And that brings us to the final highlight that we wanted to touch on, which is the establishment of the kingdom. It says in Micah chapter 4, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, into the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. See, God's house is going to be established, just like we saw in Joel chapter 3. God's house will be established in the, the mountain here. And all nations are going to come to God to hear his word in Jerusalem. And in the very next verse, in Micah chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, He shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so this is talking about the time of the kingdom age, when there's going to be a time of peace, and when all nations will serve God. Well, we mentioned that there's a lot of world issues going on, and that Jesus is going to be the only solution to these problems that the world is facing with the establishment of the kingdom. And so we said that if there's so many terrible events going on, well, then why hasn't Jesus returned to put an end to them? 
And you see, the disciples were wondering this exact thing in Matthew chapter 24. It says in verse 3 that as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, and they say, tell us when these things should be, and what should be the sign of the coming and of the end of the world. And so Jesus tells the disciples a few signs, but his ultimate response is something that we see in Matthew 24 and verse 36. Jesus says, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. And so it's God alone who knows when the right time to send Jesus back to the earth is. And we've looked in previous Bible basics webinars about the character of God. And one of the key characteristics is that God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And so we need to trust that God knows best. There is a reason that Jesus hasn't yet returned. Well, not only do we not know when Jesus is going to return, but it actually specifically says in Luke chapter 12 that the Son of Man, or Jesus, is going to come at an hour when we think not. And so that brings a follow-up question. Why aren't we told exactly when Jesus is going to return? You know, if you were in school and you had a test coming up, you'd want to know when the test was so that you would be able to study for it. And wouldn't it be easier to know exactly when Christ was returning so that we could warn other people of exactly when Christ would return? But you see, God knows our nature. And maybe we've experienced this before already. Maybe our teacher has told us exactly when the test is going to be, and we still only study the day before. In Matthew chapter 24, just verses after this verse we have on the screen there, Jesus tells a parable of a robbery. And he says that a robber breaks in and he pillages somebody's house. And he says that the owner of the house would absolutely be on the watch for it if they knew exactly when the robber was coming. But they'd only really watch for that one hour that they knew they were coming. And you see, that's not what God's looking for. God wants us to have real change in our lives. God wants it, us to be ready every day as if Christ is going to return. You know, evidently, it's not in God's timing that Jesus should have already returned. But are there any other reasons why we might think that there's a delay? And I think there's a couple. And the first one is that it's an opportunity for those who haven't accepted Christ into their lives to accept the call of the gospel. And that's one of the purposes of our Bible Basics webinar. It's to demonstrate the saving power of God and of his word, the Bible. And for those who have already accepted the gospel call, for those who've already accepted Christ, well, it's an opportunity for us to change our lives. You know, we all sin and we all have things that we'd really rather if Jesus didn't know. But while he remains away, we still have the opportunity or the ability to change our lives. And so why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Well, the short answer is that it's not in God's plan. You know, each day that Christ remains away, it's difficult, absolutely. But in some sense, it's also a blessing. Because God wants to save as many people as he can who desire to serve him. And so let's continue to study the Bible and to learn more about God's plan and to be ready for when Jesus does return, when he's going to set up that kingdom and that will be established. And hopefully when that does happen, we'll each find a place in that kingdom. If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials. And also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards as well as some very useful Bible study tools.
We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description, as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics Webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.